Hi, everybody. Welcome to My Cheesehead Life, a Packer fan podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm the host of this podcast. And um, I guess I'll just start off by saying, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Yeah, that's right. It's hump day. Happy hump day, everybody. Uh, Wednesday here. First few days of October. Still getting some summer-like weather in northeast Wisconsin. Wind is blowing today. Leaves are flying everywhere. Not sure when I'll get a chance to rake them, but that's okay. They can sit for now. I uh, hope everyone's having a pretty good week so far. want to thank anybody that's tuning in, listening. Appreciate that. Uh, we are getting actually really close to like 300 plays overall on the podcast. So that's pretty exciting for a guy who only been doing this uh, roughly two months now and uh, barely knowing what I'm doing here at the desk. So that's, that's kind of neat. Uh, thanks everyone again for listening. Uh, I have a website, mycheeseheadlife.com. You can email the show, info at mycheeseheadlife.com. And then I'm on the socials, but you can look for me wherever. I'm not a big social media guy. Um, but one one minor update to share is I, I spent a little time doing some, some work on the website last night. So I, I have had a section out there for a while called Cheese Curds. So that's the blog where I post links and a summary of the show. And I created a, another page last night called Picks and Stuff. And that's not to uh, suggest like a summary of my awful uh, picks of games. It's actually pictures and some photos. I got to thinking last night, I had taken some photos on the weekend, visiting those uh, cool places like Hilltop Pub and, and the tacos from Charlie's Tacos. So I put a couple pictures up of that. And uh, you should find it in the in the menu under, like I said, a, a, a heading of Picks and Stuff. And then there's, uh, I took a picture of those yummy tacos. And then I have a video from kind of what it looks like at the intro of the Packer game on Thursday night, last Thursday night's game versus Detroit. Uh, Obviously, we know that was not a great game for the Packers, but the intro part was pretty cool. So I uploaded a video uh, onto the website. That's about a minute and a half of, of what it looks like around Lambeau Field when they're about to kick off for a night game. Guys running out of the tunnel. Uh, Jartsy having us turn all the lights on the cell phones. So I got a, what I thought was kind of a nice re- recording. If you haven't been to Lambeau or had the pleasure of, of experiencing what it's like, uh, you can check out that video there if, if that's uh, up your alley. So I'm, I'm here on uh, kind of back-to-back nights. It's exciting. I did uh, an upload yesterday, got a few listens. Thanks for listening. Remember to like or follow, I guess follow is the word on, on the podcast and share with friends, family, enemies, all that. And uh, here we are back again on Wednesday hump day, quick turnaround for, for the show, but that's okay. Uh, I do it, do it for you, the fans, the listeners. Um, so just me in the basement actually uh, have an empty house. Kind of weird. The, the other cheese heads are out picking pumpkins, I think. So I logged off the day job and got right to work for you here today um on this hump day so we'll we'll start off with uh checking in on our brewers because that's the biggest news going on right now plenty of football to talk about here today but of course brewers playoff series playoffs um you know shoot i should probably explain that i keep saying that second playoff sound you know playoffs and and for those of you that don't know and, and maybe i'll get the audio of this queued up uh for the next one but going back a number of years uh there was a head coach in the nfl jim mora and he got kind of dubiously famous when his team was struggling and i think one reporter had asked about well do you think your team will get turned around or something about can you think he's still got a shot for the playoffs and he just looked at that reporter and said playoffs playoffs um so 
if anybody was wondering why, whenever I say playoffs, I go to that second higher pitch playoffs. Uh, that's why. That's my nod to Jim Mora. Thank you for planting that earworm in my head uh, 20 whatever years ago it was. And every time I hear the word playoffs, playoffs, I think of that. So that, that's the explanation on that. Uh, that's probably a little bit overdue if you're wondering why I keep saying playoffs two times. Um, so anyways, last night the Brewers got started in their playoff series against uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Brewers are the three seed in the NL and uh, Arizona is the six seed. This is kind of what they call in the wild card round. And after a promising start where the Brewers got out 3 nothing, um early lead, Arizona came back and, and scored uh, the next six runs, and that game finished as a 6-3 to three final uh, there on the Brewers. And, and you know, that was kind of a bummer, but but I did, you know, I've been trying to figure out, I got a little bit of audio queued up for most things, and, and I, was, I knew I needed something for Brewers, and given that they lost last night, I thought this might be a nice touch for us today. His first offering, just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Right, got to have a little Euchre in there. I mean, Bob Euchre, one of the all-time greats, of course, so lucky here in Wisconsin to have him broadcasting Brewer games probably, I guess, probably my whole life. Uh, tremendous, tremendous personality there, and, uh, of course, a little bit of audio there from that awesome movie Major League uh, from the late 80s. And um, so, yeah, that was kind of, you know, not a great game for the Brewers. Uh, some base running mistakes. Our guy Corbin Burns, you know, pretty solid pitcher, gave up three home runs. And, um, again, some poor choices on the base pads, uh, kept some runners from, from getting around, gave them some easy outs for Arizona. And so that was unfortunate. Now they're, now they're in a bit of a dog fight. They got to win, you know, the next couple games to advance. Uh, it'd be a shame if they, if they, you know, get bounced right away after such a, a great year. I mean, that's gotta be tough for baseball. You play so many doggone games and then, you know, it can come down to just one or two quick games and you're done. Um, so looking at a little bit of the numbers here, like I said, the final, uh, ended up being six to three, um, Brewers, you know, they did okay at the plate. They had 12 hits. I think they had, uh, what, four walks, you know, so 16 guys got on base. Um, uh, but, but the bottom line is they couldn't get many of them guys home. Uh, they're looking here. They left 25 guys on base. Um, the home run was Tyron Taylor. And, um, so the Brewers had a home run early. Uh, Carlos Santana at RBI, and and that was the end of their scoring. Um, and, and then um, as far as Arizona goes, uh, they like they they hit three home runs, and then they scored a few more runs late. Uh, there was a wild pitch, I believe, that contributed by Devin Williams. Uh, he struggled the bullpen there. He gave up uh, two earned runs. He had three walks, uh, so not a great outing at all for Devin Williams. And uh, the Brewers went to their bullpen. Rel you know, pretty early. I don't know. It's so different now. These guys don't pitch a ton of innings in general. Uh, so Corbin Burns took the loss. Uh, he had five strikeouts, but yeah, gave up those three home runs, and, and that was tough for them to come back from not being able to get them guys around the base pads. And, and again, some of those uh, poor decisions uh, running the bases. Uh, one that really was a head scratcher, there was a ground ball in the infield, and uh, the guy bobbled it, and it looked like it was a great moment for the Brewers to get a runner on. But Yelich, uh, Christian Yelich, running to second, some reason really rounded the base, you know, quite significantly on an infield ground ball. And, uh, yeah, so even though it was kind of an error, they just flicked it to the second baseman and he got Yelich out. So that was one example of uh, not such a great moment on the base pads for the Brewers. Uh, so hopefully tonight uh, they'll have better luck. 
They're going to be uh, going with Freddie Peralta uh, pitching against Zach Gallen. Um, oh, and I mentioned last night, I didn't know uh, how to pronounce that guy's name. Pafat or Fat. I guess it's Fat. Uh, so that was, it was funny cause I had just gotten off the podcast and then went upstairs, turned on the Brewer game. And, uh, it was one of the first things the, the broadcast on ESPN two talked about is that guy having trouble, uh, with people pronouncing his name correctly. So I'm not the only one, I guess that's, uh, was a little vexed at uh, how to pronounce his name. So it's fat. Uh, so that's clarified and I'm sure you're all grateful. Um, so yeah, tonight, uh, Freddie Peralta, Zach Gallen, it's another, uh, six, six o'clock roughly start. She's at daylight time on ESPN two. And, um, you know, it was interesting looking at some of the stats and I've kind of, you know, real high level watching the Brewers don't, don't get to see them cause we don't have the Valley sports. So I don't watch as much Brewer games, just kind of keep an eye on the standings. Um, but clearly, and, and it kind of knew this because they're, you know, when you look at the stats they're the Brewers batting is not impressive. So it's clearly the pitching that has carried this team all year. And so I was just kind of browsing some of the stats here this afternoon. Brewers number one in ERA. Arizona is 20th. Home runs allowed, though. Brewers are 18th. Arizona 17th. So pretty similar there. Uh, whip, the walk hits per innings pitched. Brewers are second. Arizona 19th. And batting average against Brewers are first, uh, where Arizona is 20th. So really heavily uh, favored for the Brewers on the pitching side. Uh, but coincidentally, not so great on the batting side. They have like the 23rd ranked batting average, it says here, 17th in runs, 24th in home runs, 17th in on-base percentage, and 25th in slugging. So, uh, you know, we're going to need that pitching to step up here tonight and hopefully tomorrow and win these couple games and see the Brewers advance, keep that playoff baseball going here. Playoffs in October would be awesome, um, especially with the the Packers having kind of a weird schedule, Monday night game, you know, Thursday night game, then a Monday night game, and then a pretty good break with a bye week. So it'd be nice to have a little bit of brew action uh, to keep us occupied uh, during a couple of weird weeks of uh, Packers schedule. So that's what we got tonight. Arizona going against the Brewers in Milwaukee again. Uh, again, 608 it says here for the first pitch on ESPN2. And uh, we'll be rooting for the Brewers. And, and why don't, you know, get Euchre on here one more time before we wrap up our Brewer segment. His first offering, just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Yeah, just pretty much thinking that every time I see an outside pitch. Um, so you know, moving on, moving on. We'll just jump right in. We're gonna we're gonna save our NFL and our Hump Day helmets. Look around the league for last year. Uh, yesterday we we talked about some of the big uh, NCAA rankings, so we don't have to do that. And uh, let's talk uh, Badger football here right away. Right. Look at me with all the sounds going. Um, so Badgers, after having a week off, they are now uh, getting ready to play on Saturday. This will be 11 a.m. Cheesehead Daylight Time, and it's on Peacock. So we talked about that, I think, last hump day to, to have your heads up on whether or not you got a Peacock subscription is going to be, uh, I guess, determining whether or not you get to watch this game or maybe go to a local establishment that might have it on. I thought I read a write-up too last week or so when I was reading up on this that said Peacock doesn't have a free preview, so no matter what, it might cost you at least five bucks to start up with a month of uh, service if you're really interested in watching this game. 
I'm pretty sure I'll be either be at a soccer field or a football field somewhere in Northeast Wisconsin. So I'm, I'm not going to be able to watch that game. I might just have to read up on some of the highlights and headlines. Um, but Badgers, even though both teams uh, only have one loss, Rutgers, uh, they're going, uh, actually, I'm sorry, this one is in Camp Randall. So this is in Madison. Uh, again, 11 a.m. Saturday. And Badgers are 13.5-point favorites, which I find kind of interesting with Rutgers being 4-1 and one and the Badgers being 3-1. and one. Um, but it makes sense, I guess. You know, Rutgers is 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 maybe beat up on on some lesser teams to get to that four and one mark, and Badgers are are just outside the top twenty five. So hopefully, we'll see a a good Badger game there after a week off. You know, this will be their first game without Ches Malusi, who had a pretty ugly injury in their last game. Uh, right now, he's their their second leading rusher with three hundred and six yards, averaging six yards a carry, and has four touchdowns. So. It'll be interesting to see, keep an eye on on how the box score looks uh, in the Badger game and, and who's going to maybe be that secondary option behind Braylon Allen running the ball. Braylon Allen having a nice year, 52 rushes, 371 yards, and a 7.1 yards per carry with six touchdowns. Uh, so so Badger's definitely uh, leaning on the run game to get it in the end zone. Uh, Mordecai has four rushing touchdowns, so on the, on the ground there, they've got 14 touchdowns already through four games. Mordecai passing, he's averaging 219 yards a game. Not a not a real big number there. He's got two touchdowns and three picks. So it'd be nice to see a little more life out of the passing game, the air raid offense, so to speak, that, that they called it when they, they hired on these this new staff and new regime to, to take over this program. Uh, also noteworthy, not not always, again, really tuned into the Badgers uh, offseason. It kind of, for me, I have to wait to see who's playing and what's going on to get familiar with the team every year. Uh, seems like we have a solid kicker though, and uh, Vakos. Uh, he he's seven out of seven on field goals and made his extra points. I don't remember him being there last year. Maybe he's a new guy. Uh, so nice to have a solid kicking game so far. As far as um, Rutgers is concerned, you know they're out in New Jersey actually, and uh, <clears throat> their quarterback they're having some decent numbers. They're not passing a ton, 146 yards per game for the quarterback, but he's got five touchdowns against one pick. So they've done a pretty good job uh, taking care of the football. Uh, and then their main runner, it looks like Mananjai, 88 rushes, 471 yards, 5 yards a carry, 5.4 that is, and 6 touchdowns. Um, so it'll be an interesting matchup. You know, on paper, these teams look pretty even if you look at all the stats and the numbers. Uh, but again, Badgers are a 13.5 point favorite uh, going against Rutgers. Um, so we'll have to uh, certainly be watching the box score. I'm not getting Peacock or anything for that. So I'll be watching the box score while I'm probably at a soccer game or something and see how the Badgers do. I I don't know enough about Rutgers to make a guess on if the Badgers would cover or not. I would like to think after they got a little bye week here and they can kind of regroup on the strategy and the schemes and all that good stuff, uh, hopefully the Badgers will come out clicking on all cylinders and uh, be able to put this one away relatively early. Um so that's kind of a look right now at what's going on for our Wisconsin Badgers coming up Saturday again, 11 a.m. Uh, at Camp Randall. Uh, that should be pretty pretty interesting to see. And then they're back on track uh, with after the bye week, and then it'll just be Badgers, Badgers every week. Um, that'll be nice. And then looking around the Big Ten, nothing too remarkable going on. Uh, Michigan, 5-0 Michigan, number two in the country. They're going into uh, Minnesota to play our friends from the West there, the Minnesota Gophers. Michigan, a 19.5-point favorite there. And um, Maryland, undefeated Maryland, 5-0, but they're not ranked. Uh, they're going to go into Ohio State 
and face uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's on Saturday. Uh, that Minnesota game is an evening game, 6.30 p.m. If, if you happen to want to watch that on TV against Michigan. And that Ohio State game is at 11 a.m. Uh, otherwise, you know, Nebraska against Illinois, a bunch of unranked teams playing each other, Howard against Northwestern, um, and then Purdue against Iowa. That seems to indicate what's going on in the Big Ten. And then just for fun, kind of want to keep an, one eye on uh, Coach Prime. Colorado Buffaloes are going into Arizona State. Uh, they're four-and-a-half-point favorites. They're over-under 59 points, so expecting a high-scoring affair there. And that's Saturday. Uh, looks like it'd be 5.30 p.m. Cheesehead Daylight Time. And then uh, one other deal we got to check in on is our friend Graham Mertz and how he's doing there in uh, Florida and, and what they've got on schedule here. So it looks like Florida, after a loss, is a big favorite here, 18-and-a-half-point favorite uh, with Vanderbilt coming to uh, town. So... That's uh that's my look anyways around uh, the NCAA what's happening on football this weekend looking forward to those Badgers uh, getting back in into the flow and hopefully we'll see a Badger victory on Saturday. So with the uh, Brewers and Badgers uh, we're kind of caught up on those guys a little bit here now we got to shift into our main focus our Packers and Green Bay Packers and and they're going to play the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football coming up here Monday. Uh, well. Uh, Captain Obvious, Monday Night Football's on Monday, if you didn't know. Um, so, yeah, of course, I've been being real goofy in the lab here, queuing up more sounds for you. And I, uh, anytime I hear Vegas, it, it reminds me of one of my all-time favorite movies, um, Swingers, a movie from 1996, a very young John Favreau, very young Vince Vaughn. And uh, whenever anybody starts talking about Vegas, this is what immediately pops into my mind is this scene. Uh, here you go. Daddy, the Rain Man suite. You dig that? We're going to Vegas, Mike. Vegas! Vegas. You think we get there by midnight? Money, we're going to be up 500 by midnight. Ah, Vegas! Vegas, baby! Vegas! <laughs> and I, I love that one because, uh, you know, if you were to watch that movie in the next cut, they just, you know, these guys are all fired up. I think they're, they're living in Los Angeles, and I don't know if it's a four or five hour drive, whatever it is, from Los Angeles to Vegas. And then the very next cut, they're, they go from all fired up, Vegas, baby, Vegas! And, uh, you know, the, the long drive's starting to set in. And then, then the next the next shot is those guys looking really tired behind the wheel and not moving at all, just uh, worn out for the long road trip. But anyways, Vegas, baby, Vegas. Uh, Green Bay Packers, 2-2, two and two, going to face the 1-3 and three Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, that'll be a 7-15 start on Monday night on ABC. And that one is in Vegas right now on this Yahoo Sports website. Uh, Green Bay is a one-point favorite and the over-under 44-and-a-half. Um, so, you know, it's interesting going through uh, the stats here a little bit. And I've got some write-ups to talk about. But, you know, seems like on paper a couple of pretty evenly matched teams in certain areas. Um, but one thing I found kind of interesting and um, I like to do a little bit I don't know if you call it opposition research or whatever, but I occasionally stumble across articles that are, you know, from the writers of the other teams, you know, when it comes to what they think or they're saying about the Packers. So I'll have a link for this one in the Cheese Curds blog. And it says, uh, and this one's from the Fan Nation SI site, uh, Raiders Today, uh, Carter Landis. And he he has three things, uh, three Packers, that is, the Raiders must watch out for. And he goes on to say, the Las Vegas Raiders must be mindful of these three Green Bay Packers in their game plan for Monday night. 
So that piqued my interest. I'm like, well, what does, uh, you know, a Las Vegas Raiders guy think is, a, you know, to keep an eye on for the Packers? So his first, uh, his first Packer player that he calls out in terms of needing to, to be prepared for is actually uh, linebacker Quay Walker. He goes on to say the number 22 overall selection in the 2022 draft, a pick that originally belonged to the Raiders, so I believe that would have been a result of the Devontae Adams trade, uh, Walker quickly established himself as an essential contributor to the Packers' defense, finishing his rookie season with 121 tackles, five tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, seven passes defended, and I didn't even realize this, but impressive, three forced fumbles from Walker in his rookie year, and he goes on to say he was named to the Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team. Um, you know, and it does mention, like we all know, he gets into a little bit of trouble on the field occasionally, uh, but he does say what the Raiders must account for Walker's ability to diagnose run plays and his top flight coverage ability, or he will significantly impact the game. So there's that. And then the second one that he mentions kind of caught me off guard, uh, but he's talking about offensive lineman Zach Tom. And he says this guy was one of the biggest steals of his draft class with Great size and mobility, Tom played most of his 489 snaps at left tackle during his rookie season. If you recall, I believe that's, you know, with Bakhtiari and the, all the injury issues, they put Tom out there last year, and he did a nice job. Uh, and it says he also spent significant time at left guard and right tackle, allowing only 12 total pressures and one sack. Uh, Tom is off to another good start this season, playing all his snaps at right tackle without allowing a sack. His versatility on the offensive line has made him a valuable asset to the Packers. Um, so he likes Zach Tom and, and hopefully he plays well because, you know, the, the Packer offensive line sure could use a little help or a uh, better performance than we saw against the Lions, that's for sure. And then this one also kind of caught me off guard. Uh, his third player to watch of the three is tight end Luke Musgrave. Musgrave was back at practice for the Packers on Tuesday, dealing with a concussion from the previous game. So, yeah, that was good news for the Packers. Uh, if you hadn't heard, Luke Musgrave seems to be trending towards playing in the game after having to leave the Lions game early with a concussion. Uh, and it says, Luke Musgrave is part of a talented rookie tight end class as he was a good pass catcher coming out of Oregon State. Combining elite size with fluid movement, Musgrave has already impacted the Packers' offense, catching 12 passes for 125 yards this season. Uh, so they're saying Musgrave has a chance to impact the passing game against the Raiders. Um, so those are, are three guys uh, to watch, according to this Raider writer. Raider writer? Raider writer. I'm saying that a bunch of times. Um, and I'll have that link in the, in the cheese curds if you want to take a look. And then uh, kind of switching gears here, I've got a preview from my friend Zach Cruz. I don't even know him, but I'm going to call him my friend because I read his stuff and I kind of like his stuff. Um, you know, again, he's Packers wire uh, writer. Green Bay Packers versus Las Vegas Raiders. Week 5 game preview. And there's some interesting cheese curds in this one uh, that I wanted to share with you. Um, so interesting to me that uh, uh zach goes on to explain well of course we'll have joe buck and troy aikman on monday night so everybody can look forward to that um and he, he says here the packers haven't lost to the raiders since 1987 the last meeting came in 2019 during lafleur's first season as packers coach when green bay won 42 24 at lambeau field it says the packers have scored 30 or more points in five straight games against the Raiders, including three games with 40 or more points. Well, those are a lot of different teams and different players, so I don't know how much that counts for this game coming up. Um, 
the Packers have never played at Allegiant Stadium, so this is at New Year's Stadium out in Las Vegas, and will be facing the Raiders for the first time since the franchise moved from Oakland to Las Vegas. The last time the Raiders won a game in this series, the franchise was located in Los Angeles. Overall, the Packers lead the series nine to five or nine of nine wins to five losses. Uh, and what's kind of neat here, and I've never really seen some of this before, um, and I, I'm guessing this is more common for the media type people. Um, he's got a what he calls a Packers team capsule, uh, so it shows a good good snapshot of their their basic stats, and then just some highlights of the players. I'm sure. Uh, some of these are the the nuggets of info the the broadcasters will talk about or use during the game. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I found interesting about this write up from Zach is that he's got those uh, team capsules in there that show, uh, like I said, a little summary of each team. Um, and then he goes on to explain, you know, kind of some of the ups and downs that have gone uh, for the Packers. You know, win, loss, win, loss, um, and then the Raiders now have lost three in a row after. Uh, winning their opening game. And then uh, towards the end of this one, Zach, Zach talks about an injury to monitor. So this uh, potentially is hopefully good news for the Packers uh, that Elton Jenkins left guard. He's missed two straight games with an MCL injury. He returned to practice with a brace on his knee, but his status is unknown for Monday night. But I'd say, you know, the fact that he's back practicing is, is a real good indicator because Royce Newman, he says, has struggled mightily while starting in place of Jenkins at left guard over the last two games. So getting Jenkins back would provide a big boost to a Packers offensive line without Bakhtiari. Right guard also, uh, John Runyon is also dealing with an ankle injury. And tight end Luke Musgrave must get through concussion protocol. Um, so that's, you know, those are those are some of the injuries to keep an eye on. You know, we have the other write-up expecting Luke Musgrave to play. And now, you know, we're hoping Elton Jenkins, that's trending in the right direction because he would be a, a real big help for that offensive line, I think. Uh, they, they could use all the help they can get. Um, and then he says Raiders lost last week without starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, who missed the contest with a concussion. Now, I haven't really seen anything uh, real current um, that, that would indicate Garoppolo is playing. You know, I have a, a game summary here, but I don't know if this is like the most uh, current deal here for injuries because it, it already says Garoppolo out, but that, that's dated for 930 um, so I don't know if that's the latest on Garoppolo. That'll be key, whether or not Garoppolo plays in this game versus I think their backup is Aiden O'Connell, might even be a rookie that did not do very well in their last game against the Chargers. So there, you got a couple articles that'll be in the cheese curds, one from a, a, a Raiders writer, and then our, our guy Zach Cruz at Packers Wire kind of giving both of their takes on these previews. And then uh, I thought, like I said, uh, going through some of the stats on this uh, Packer matchup with the Vegas Raiders. Vegas, baby. Um, pretty even, like I said. And some of the ones like, you know, this is, I don't know, on paper, it doesn't look like the most exciting matchup. Let me let me take it through some of these numbers. So where the Packers seem to really have an advantage, and, and, and thankfully, like I said yesterday, they're doing okay in points per game. 25 points per game, that's 10th in the league. Compare that to the Raiders, they're at 15 and a half points per game. So that's something to keep an eye on, right? Our defense, our much maligned defense that has trouble. Um, this this would look on paper to be a matchup where maybe they can dominate a little. I don't dominate's kind of a stretch for our defense, but you know, we always talk about the over-under on points for a defense and offense being 20, and Raiders averaging 15 and a half points per game. Um, it would be 
not a great look if the Packer defense lets the Raiders light up the scoreboard here. <laughs> so uh, points against on the on the flip side, the Packers uh, at 20th with 24 points a game allowed. And then the Raiders sitting at 24th with uh, 25.3. So defensively, they're both giving up very similar amount of points per game. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what 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 side breaks or what side kind of pushes through those statistical matchups. Total yards are darn near even. 28th for the Packers, 27th for the Raiders. Uh, Packers at 299 per game. Raiders at 302. Passing yards pretty similar. Uh, Packers at 18th with 225 per game. Raiders at 15th, 236. And then this is where it gets a little kind of ugly. Uh, the rushing yards per game for both these teams is bad. Um, we're, we've got two of the bottom three teams in terms of rushing. So if the Packers get gashed on the ground here this week, oh boy, that'll be uh, that. That might be time to really take a hard look at who your D coordinator is because you can't fire all the players, right? You got to get you know something to maybe change in the bye week coming up. So Packers thirtieth in rushing yards per game at seventy four point five. And uh, like I said yesterday, I can't believe they're not last. So here's, here's um, well, I guess that was the r rushing yards allowed where I talked about that. But um, the Raiders are actually the last, the worst ranked team in terms of rushing yards per game at 65.3. Now they have Josh Jacobs. Uh, he's a good running back. I think he might have led the NFL in rushing last year, but he hasn't really been able to get going. I think it might have been related a little bit to some contract dispute this offseason. Maybe he's still kind of getting his legs under him after missing probably a good part of training camp. I don't know for sure what the time frame was on Jacobs, uh, but either way, uh, Vegas is not getting it done on the ground, and neither are the Packers. So that'll be interesting to see which team can run the ball better. And then time of possession, both of these teams kind of stink. Packers at 29th with, with just under 27 minutes a game of possession, and uh, Raiders at 27th with uh, just over 27 minutes a game now more on the defensive side. We already touched on the points per game. Uh, total yards, again, pretty similar. Packers 21st, giving up 352 per game. And Raiders 18th at 337. Passing yards per game, again, similar on defense. Uh, Packers at 11th with 197. Raiders at 13th with 202. And then the rushing yards against uh, both of these teams struggling. Uh, Packers doing worse than the Raiders. Packers at 30th. With 155, that was the stat where I couldn't believe two teams are worse. Uh, but but here's Vegas doing their best at 26th in the league, allowing 134 yards a game. And then sacks, the Packers have a little bit of an advantage there. They're 16th with 11 sacks. Uh, Raiders are 26th, having uh, only seven sacks. So that'll be interesting to see if um, the offensive line can can hold up against this this defense that isn't really getting after the quarterback a ton. And then interceptions, uh, the Raiders only have one interception this year. They're 25th, I'm sure, tied with a bunch of teams. And then uh, Packers 12th with uh, three interceptions. And looking at Raiders and, and how they've started the year so far, their one win came opening week at Denver, who we know is a pretty pretty garbage team right now, uh, although better than the Bears. And they're, they won by one at Denver, 17-16. And then they're at Buffalo. They lost 38-10. Then they were home at uh, against Pittsburgh in a little bit of a upset. They got beat 23-18. And then at the Chargers, uh, most recently without Garoppolo, they lost 
Uh, meanwhile, we know the Packers won at Chicago, lost at Atlanta, won at home against New Orleans with, with a furious comeback, and then the, the home loss last Thursday against Detroit. So, uh, yeah, as I looked through these numbers, I was like, holy moly, these, these teams are kind of like that Spider-Man meme or whatever. They're just pointing at each other because they look almost identical on paper. Uh, with really the, the the one significant difference being the Packers have done a, a much better job scoring uh, versus the Raiders uh, being 25th in the league. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, where the dam breaks between these two teams. You know, are the Packers going to hold up and, and keep the ground game uh, tightened up? Look at this. Oh, my gosh. A.J. Dillon, 44 rushes, 2.7 yards of carry. You know, we've talked about that plenty and, and my lack of enthusiasm for A.J. Dillon being our main ball carrier. But Josh Jacobs, who I was just talking about being last year's uh, NFL rushing champ, he's got 62 carries and a 2.7 yards average. So there you go. A couple of really ugly uh, lines of stats for both running backs. Uh, We'll see if Aaron Jones uh, becomes a little more of the workhorse. Oh, my gosh, Garoppolo already has six interceptions thrown. Uh, so interesting if he'll play. I'm not sure if, you know, we don't have that update yet for sure on Garoppolo's status, especially when we're, you know, four game, four days out from a game. Uh, my, my guess or hunch would be that Garoppolo would play, but wow, five touchdowns versus six picks for Garoppolo. Jordan Love, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. And then if we look at our receiving leaders between the teams, you got Dobbs. He's got 20 catches, 11-yard average, three touchdowns, 224 total yards. And, of course, our um, former Packer, one of the all-time great Packers, tons of respect for this guy. I wish they could fi- could have figured out a way to, to keep him around, but I get it. I get it. He felt it was time to move on. But Devontae, no matter who's throwing or who's quarterback or who's playing, he's still productive. 33 catches, 12-yard average, three touchdowns. He's got a total of 397. He's averaging almost 100 yards a game. So a big challenge there stopping Devontae Adams. Uh, for that Packers secondary. And and speaking of secondary, there's been talk that Jair Alexander might be available after uh, getting banged up a little bit, uh, I want to say New Orleans game, and then he missed the Detroit game. Um, so, you know, whether he has some ups and downs in a game, I uh, certainly want and need to have Jair Alexander on the field, and, and hopefully he might be someone who can help uh, Keep keep Devontae Adams from killing the Packers because I'm sure Devontae will be plenty motivated against his former team. But, yeah, again, these stats are going to really – it's interesting, to, like I said, to see these teams be so similar on paper through four games and to see, you know, which one of these teams can kind of, you know, push through and, and win this game. Um, so with that guy having like three te- three things to watch or whatever and, and all these preview things, I got a few of my own items, a few of my own preview items or what to watch for. And uh, my number one item is going to be Aaron Jones. Um, and I think this could probably be a theme for the whole year if he stays healthy is how much will they give the ball to Aaron Jones. So you've got, we talked yesterday, just tremendous uh, numbers in favor of giving Aaron Jones more touches. And I believe if it was... 14 handoffs last year. The Packers were like four and one or five and one, whatever I talked about yesterday. And then um, if you took it back to like 2019 and, and, you, and you changed it from handoffs to touches, it was like if he gets 15 or 16 touches, uh, the Packers are like 31 and four or some crazy, you know, lopsided uh, figure like that. So that to me, I think, you know, besides the over under on points being 20 and those Raiders only averaging 15 points a game and seeing what our defense will do, 
the other thing to keep an eye on, and Aaron Jones, according to him, is saying he's he's pretty much full go now. Uh, feels like hopefully he'll be 100%. Uh, what is the number of touches Aaron Jones will get is something to keep an eye on. If it's, if it's you know, 14, 15, 16, it seems like much more likely the Packers will come out with a win. Uh, but if it's less than that and we're featuring more A.J. Dillon, uh, that, that may uh, be a recipe for a long flight home from Vegas, baby. Um, other noteworthy item, and I don't know if much will come out of this, but there was some headlines that the Packers brought in a running back for a workout. So maybe they're not super impressed with what they've got, you know, behind. I, I mean, Dillon's here to stay at least for this year. I, I, it'd be difficult for me to imagine a scenario where they move away from A.J. Dillon, uh, but but they brought in a guy, I believe his name, James Robinson. He, he had 1,000 yards a year or two ago. He's a guy that's kind of floated around the league, but that was a headline that they brought in a running back, a veteran like that, for a workout. I have yet to see if anything materialized from that. My guess would be no, uh, but maybe it's something where they you know maneuver Emmanuel Wilson to the practice squad in favor of a more veteran. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, what happens with that, but just uh, a little bit of news out of Green Bay that they had a running back in. Um, so my other item uh, that I want to keep an eye out on, and, and we talked about this yesterday with the article from Bill Huber, and, and I've mentioned this on my own What the Friday frustrations uh, coming out of that Detroit game, is um, what are they going to do to get Jordan Love settled in? What What's going to be the scheme or game plan to to get him some easy throws, some easy completions or, you know, handoffs, maybe run it a little more, uh, especially the first half, you know, even first quarter. Uh, the Packers really, they, they haven't shown much in the first half of, of most of these games so far. So to me, that's the other thing to watch. You know, one, are they going to give it to Jones more or less than 15 times? And then two, is the offensive game plan going to really have a plan to get your young kind of first year starter quarterback settled in. And that's something that I want to see, you know, no, uh, maybe flea flickers to start the game. Let's maybe not do a quarterback double throw pass, whatever. Some of these goofy plays have been early in the games. Be nice to just see a couple check downs, maybe a screen play, just some stuff to move the chains, keep the defense off the field. And, and hopefully, uh, that, that, that'll be the case for the Packers against the Raiders. And then lastly, of course, we got to keep an eye on the defense. Um, you know, they're the ones that aren't really riddled with injuries like the offense have been. Uh, you know, one guy, speaking of offense, I'm not even ready to really talk about him yet is Christian Watson. Uh, I haven't heard anything that he's going to be out or not, or if he's still, you know, building up his strength to get, you know, off the pitch count, so to speak, that they use. Uh, but to me, a guy right now, he's all potential and no production. I uh, love the guy. I love the stats that he can produce or his measurables, size, speed, all that stuff is, is awesome. But that's the thing I keep saying with young guys, it's all potential until they can prove that they can play week in and week out. Um, you know, such a long season, 18 weeks, 17 games, you know, three preseason games, training camp. Um, it is a grind for, for these fellows to play NFL football. Um, so that's where a guy like Devontae Adams is so impressive. It's just year after year, game after game, he's out there being productive. And until you can kind of get to where you're approaching that level of consistency, uh, that's the biggest question mark for me with these younger guys. And, and this Packer offense is loaded with them. You know, Musgrave missed time with a concussion. And, you know, not much you can do about these things, but it, it's just, you know, 
that's that's the way the NFL works. If you're if you're available and you can play, I think that was McCarthy's big thing: availability and accountability. But if you're always dinged up and you can't play, whether it's your fault or not, you know we we all know it's not really your fault. Uh, but it's still uh, something to think about. You can't really rely or count on some of these younger guys until they can show that they'll be there week in and week out. And right now, that's my take on Christian Watson. I mean, he's all potential, no production. And I hope that changes. I think he's one of the most exciting players I've ever seen in a Packer uniform when he is out there, Uh, especially some of those awesome games he had last year, notably against the Dallas Cowboys, and some of the speed he's put on display is just phenomenal. Um, So I'm a big Christian Watson fan in, in, in the hypothetical world of what he can do on a football field. Um, but until he's out there play after play week after week and, you know, and getting it done for the offense, he's a guy I don't even, I'm not even considering part of the offense at this point, I guess is my bottom line. So interesting to look a little bit here also at some of the Packer pass catcher numbers. Uh, speaking of guys being consistent and productive, um, the two of the, well, three of the top four pass catchers are rookies. So what a challenge for Jordan Love in his first year. Again, you know, just talked about Watson not being available. I mentioned yesterday Dugara being a guy that I'm not sure what his major role is. Um, but in terms of, uh, I mentioned already Dobbs is the number one receiver with 20 catches, 224 yards. I think at this point it's clear Dobbs is your number one guy because he's been the most available uh, between him and Watson. And, and, and he's a nice player. I like Dobbs. He makes some really acrobatic catches, really does give you kind of that uh, reminiscent of Devonte Adams, the way he, you know, is able to kind of contort his body and make those difficult catches and create separation without maybe having the top end speed of a guy like Watson. Um, but then Jaden Reed is your second leading pass catcher rookie from Michigan state. Really like Jaden Reed. I think he's off to a great start. He had a couple drops, um, I think against Detroit, but then he came back with some nice catches. So, I mean, to me, he's a guy that's, that's already demonstrating some playmaking, you know, under the lights type of ability. So he's got 12 catches for 203 yards and a nice healthy 16, almost 17 yards a catch, 16.9 and a couple touchdowns. So Jaden Reed, hopefully he'll continue to grow and develop in that role. He might, you know, man, I guess he's like your number two now, uh, you know, until we know Watson can play all the time. And then uh, your third leading receiver is Luke Musgrave with 12 catches. Uh, So it goes second year guy, which we knew. I mean, we knew as a young group, but then it's rookie, rookie, and then uh, DeGuara and uh, Dontavian Wicks are tied for fourth in terms of catches with six each. Um, although uh, Wicks has a, a bunch more yards. He's got 85 where DeGuara has 39. Um, so Wicks, you know, is being a, a contributor as a rookie. I mean, it's encouraging. It's encouraging for the future that they have what seems to be some really young, talented pass catchers. But it, but it could mean, you know, a lot of growing pains here. Uh, early in the season or even, you know, maybe this entire season as these guys continue to work to get on the same page. Um, so anyways, I got a little bit sidetracked. Um, I wanted to talk about any new wrinkles on defense. And again, that's my like third thing to watch about this game is, uh, you know, here's a team that is ready to be, I think, beat up in terms of the Raiders and talk about Jacobs having similar yards per carry to AJ Dillon and they're not producing many points. Uh, Garoppolo is iffy. Aiden O'Connell is is a young quarterback. You know, Garoppolo's throwing a lot of picks. I mean, really, if you you, know, you got one guy, it looks like Devontae Adams. That's that's still a standout for them. Um, but other than that, um, it'll be interesting to see how this Packer defense responds to a couple tough weeks. 
And again, it's all part and parcel to the offense and what they call complementary football. Offense is not doing a great job uh, controlling the football and moving the chains. Um, so, so I understand that's a big part of it. But at the same time, we've all seen enough breakdowns of this defense to where, you know, guys are running wide open or we talked yesterday about all the missed tackles. Um, so hopefully this is what they used to call like a get right game, you know, where you're going against a team that's not hopefully going to be real explosive or doesn't have a history of being real explosive. And the Packers hopefully uh, should be able to play downhill and be aggressive here. Um, and then another noteworthy item uh, coming out of this game or, or leading into this Monday night matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders is, I don't, I don't know, I'm sure at some point in the broadcast this will be mentioned, uh, how many times have you seen uh, brothers that are the kickers for each team? So you have Anders, or Anders Carlson, excuse me, uh, kicking for the Packers, a rookie kicker from Auburn, and he's done a nice job so far. And then his brother is Daniel Carlson uh, that kicks for the Raiders. And interestingly, this is kind of that connection we talked about way back in preseason where uh, Packers special teams coordinator, and I think he's the assistant head coach and whatever else he might do, uh, Rich Basaccia had coached uh, Daniel Carlson in Las Vegas and apparently got to know our kicker, Anders Carlson, when he was a teenager, because uh, this goes back uh, 2018 was when uh, Daniel Carlson came into the league. So, yeah, that's a good five years already. Um, so he's known Anders forever, and he, interesting to see. You, you have brothers, on, on one on each team that are the kickers, Daniel and Anders Carlson. Um, I'll do my best to not jinx our guy, but I will say this. Uh, Daniel Carlson has not missed a kick all year. Uh, once again, uh, karma and jinx people or, you know, those spirits. Daniel Carlson has not missed a kick all year. Uh, and if you recall, he was drafted originally by Minnesota, uh, the Vikings, in the fifth round. So that's kind of high for a kicker. And then they only gave him two games before they cut him. And he went one out of four in those two games. And uh, the Raiders scooped him up. Uh, in terms of field goals, he went one out of four. He was at least six for six on extra points. But kind of an interesting you know, sidebar there that uh, our friends to the West, the Minnesota Vikings, discarded uh, Daniel Carlson pretty quickly after spending a fifth-round pick on him in 2018. And then the Raiders picked him up, and he goes on to play in 10 games for the Raiders that year. He makes 16 out of 17 field goals, 94%, along of 50, and he makes all of his extra points. So that's kind of a Vikings thing there, right? Cut a fifth-round kicker, and then he goes on to be automatic for another team. Uh, who else did they? I thought they had someone else that was like that. But anyways, um, over his career, uh, Daniel Carlson, the the, the reject, uh, the Minnesota discard pile, uh, he's 88.6% on his kicks. He's got a long of 57 and 95% on his extra points. So turning into a nice career uh, for Daniel Carlson after being um, after getting out of that purple uniform, it seems like he was able to get right. Uh, so a little sidebar there. Interesting to see a couple brothers that'll be on the football field together on Monday Night Football. Now, if I were had to pick it, pick a winner in this Packer game on Monday, difficult to say here on hump day, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, a little bit of the unknowns, Elton Jenkins, Christian Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo for the Raiders, who's, who's going to play quarterback. Um, and then Aaron Jones, you know, how, how much will they use him, if at all? <laughs> Uh, Luke Musgrave, so a lot, lot of variables. And I said earlier, Packers are a one-point favorite right now, uh, which to me is a little bit of a surprise. 
Um, so I guess, you know, we'll just, we'll just, uh, we'll be kind of a homer this week. We'll pick the Packers. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll think that they'll get right with their 10 days off and, and being able to look at some things and considering who they're going against and, and how much the Raiders are already struggling this year. Uh, I'm going to say I, I like the Packers this week. And, and I, I, I wasn't that way on Thursday with the, with the Lions. So hopefully I'll be right this week. Uh, they're interesting to see some of the analytics on here. The implied final score is is a close one from whatever the website crunches here and i'm on uh, yahoo sports preview um and the odds it says are from bet mgm but it says the implied final score is las vegas 21.75 packers 22.75 um so not real sure how they arrive with decimal points in a football game uh, but they're basically saying this little the raiders will score more than their 15 per game but but not enough to beat the packers so we'll, we'll keep an eye on uh, 15 seems to be a key number. Do the Raiders score more than 15 points? And does Aaron Jones get the ball 15 or more times? And, and we'll see how that shakes out. But I'm hoping and I'm picking, I'm thinking Packers. So as we uh, start to wind her down here on hump day, uh, kind of my nod to the old uh, hump day helmets from the office where we talk about the matchups for the weekend. So now I think we're starting to get into some of the bye, bye weeks for teams. So it looks like here coming up in week five, we've got a few teams that are on bye. Uh, you know, if anybody does fantasy, which I don't, I just do the DraftKings. So, I, but you know, that was always a, a trip up for me is forgetting guys or teams that when those bye weeks would start earlier in the season than they used to. So your bye week is Cleveland, Chargers, Seattle, and Tampa Bay. All those teams will be uh, taking a break this week. And then uh, kicking it off tomorrow, a uh, very, very interesting matchup. I mean, there's there's got to be a lot of uh, anticipation for this one. Yay! Chicago will travel to Washington to face the Commanders. This, that'll be on Amazon. Uh, so I think I said yesterday, everybody will be able to watch that on national TV. I don't know if that counts as national TV when it's a streaming service that you have to pay for. I don't know. It's something that I never really thought of until I said it out loud and then logged off the podcast. I'm like, does that really count as national? I don't know. But we have we have Amazon, and we'll be uh, doing our best to watch some of that tomorrow. So, yeah, Bears 0-4. They're going to face the Washington Commanders, who are 2-2 two two after a 2-0 start, I believe. Commanders have lost two in a row now. And uh, Washington, a 5.5-point favorite. Over-under on that, 44.5. So, Interesting to see what may happen or what may take place. Again, the Bears had, you know, probably their best offensive day against uh, Denver, but they couldn't do anything to stop Denver in the second half. So uh, their defense certainly is problematic. Um, going uh, down here, Houston will go to Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's a one-and-a-half point favorite, but Houston's been looking decent with their younger quarterback, C.J. Stroud, rookie. Uh, I think he hasn't turned the ball over yet in terms of interception. Uh, Ritter, after looking okay the first couple games, one of those being against the Packers, uh, has not looked as good. I don't know. I might think Houston could pull that one out as an underdog. And that's another. That's a noon game. So you got your Thursday game, Chicago, and then we're getting into the noon games here. Uh, Tennessee against the Colts, a couple of two and two teams in the AFC South. Tennessee's a one and a half point favorite. Another young quarterback there, Anthony Richardson for Indianapolis. So. Uh, Tennessee has been hard to read. They look ugly one week and then they, they beat up on Cincinnati the next week. Uh, New Orleans uh, is going to go to New England. New England is one in three. I don't know if, uh, if I had a research team, we could check out when was the last time the hoodie was one in three. Uh, so New England's only a one point favorite at home, uh, pretty low over under on that one 40. Uh, 
that one will be a, a nooner on CBS. Uh, I don't think a ton of people are dying to watch that game. Uh, and then uh, Philadelphia, kind of an interesting matchup. Undefeated Philadelphia is going into Los Angeles to face the the somewhat surprising Rams, who are 2-2. Two and two. Philadelphia, a four-and-a-half point favorite, a much bigger over-under than some of those previous games. This one's at 50-and-a-half because the Rams can score some points. They still got Stafford, and I think they have a, a young rookie receiver, Pachua or whatever his name is, setting the league on fire already. So that'll be an interesting one to see if Philadelphia, I mean, they've been squeaking out some games, but the bottom line is they're winning. But that's a road game, and now we're into the 3 o'clock game, so that'll be a later start. Philadelphia at Los Angeles. Again, Philly's a four-and-a-half point favorite, over-under 50-and-a-half. Uh, our friends in New York, the Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, uh, keeping an eye on the draft pick for the Packers. Uh, this will be a nice, fugly matchup. You've got the New York Jets going into Denver to face the Broncos. And that's uh, Denver's a one-and-a-half point favorite. Over-under is 43. Now, Denver is generally a tough place for visit teams to visit. You know, the elevation and crowd noise, you know, so I, I would like to think Denver will win that one and will keep pushing that Jets draft pick higher for the Packers. Uh, that's a 325 start, so that one might be on, on the broadcast television where you live. And you can maybe watch the Jets for yourself. I know I would certainly try to, even though uh, those could be a couple of ugly teams. They're one, both of them 1-3, and three, and uh, over-under on that one again, 43. And uh, we'll, we'll keep uh, spinning around here. Um, and I think I think they're still doing some London games, so I kind of skipped over the, the early morning game is Jacksonville at Buffalo. Uh, and that one says it's 8.30 a.m. Cheesehead Daylight Time, so I got to assume that's another London game for the Jags. Uh, Jags 2-2, two and two, Buffalo Bills 3-1. Uh, Buffalo is a 5.5-point favorite there, over under 48.5. That one will be on NFL Network. Uh, a couple more nooners is Carolina going into Detroit, so we'll look for Detroit to, uh, unfortunately, probably move to 4-1 and one as they're facing the, the winless Panthers. Detroit's a 9.5-point favorite on that one. Um... I don't know. That one might be worth picking. And the over-under there is 45. That's a nooner. And then, uh, ooh, Miami might be looking to put up 70 points again. They're going to face those ugly New York Giants. They looked awful on Monday uh, Monday night yeah, um, against, the, against the Chiefs. So the Giants 1-3 going into Miami. This looks to be the biggest point spread of the week. Miami being an 11.5-point favorite. So Miami scored 70 on Denver, and then they only scored 20 against the Bills. So they'll be coming back home probably, you know, ready to ready to light up the scoreboard against their next appointment, opponent, who happens to be the New York Giants. So that, that'll be an interesting one. Over under 48.5 on that nooner. Uh, and then Baltimore uh, used to be, or this always is a big, big physical matchup. Baltimore going into Pittsburgh, 3-1 and one Baltimore, Pittsburgh's 2-2. Two and two. Baltimore is a four-point favorite. Over-under, pretty low on this one, 38. Uh, that's a nooner. Uh, big division matchup, though, every year for those teams uh, facing off. And then the Bengals, uh, this is an unexpected situation. Them being 1-3, and three, they're going into Arizona against the 1-3 Cardinals. So uh, not, not really a, a big-time matchup by any means. Cincinnati's a three-point favorite, over-under 44.5. And then an interesting matchup. You know, we got the Bears on Thursday, and we'll be able to watch that. Uh, Detroit looks like they'll probably get a win at home against Carolina if, if the odds are all in, in their favor. Uh, and then uh, another interesting game for our NFC North friends is uh, Kansas City. Uh, the Taylor Swift team is going into Minnesota. Uh, Kansas City's a four-point favorite, uh, pretty high over-under, so we're expecting points in this one, 52 and a half. 
and that's a three uh i'm sorry 325 start so that's one we'll probably be able to watch on television as well uh, it'll be interesting to see which one gets to our uh our networks or our, our local region because those are both that denver game and the kc game uh they're both cbs 325 starts if i had to guess we'll be we'll be seeing the minnesota game in our region so three and one chiefs hopefully going into minnesota to make them one and four uh, that'll be interesting though because minnesota you know they still got plenty of talent on offense can put up points they've just really been having trouble uh taking care of the football and that's been their biggest problem and kansas city you know they didn't look lights out against the jets but that's a tough road trip uh they'll be they'll be making another another trip on the road here back-to-back road games the chiefs are like i said four point favorites so not not a huge point spread in favor of the chiefs and that'll be a, a fun one to watch and then there's actually a pretty big matchup this week. You know, the first few weeks, it's always a little iffy. Who's good? Who's not? And, you know, who's in the middle? Who's in the bottom? And now these teams are starting to uh, separate from each other. So big matchup uh, of, of a couple teams that none of us really care for. <laughs> but uh, but good teams. I mean, I like watching good games. And uh, you got Dallas going into San Francisco. 3-1 and one Dallas. Uh, you know, they had their one kind of head-scratching loss against Arizona, but have otherwise looked pretty dominant. And then, of course, the 49ers are 4-0. and oh. Uh, with Brock Purdy. So that'll be a very, very interesting matchup. That's your Sunday night game on NBC. Uh, San Francisco, three and a half point favorite right now. Over under on that one is 45. So that'll be, like I said, uh, always, always exciting to start to see some of the bigger games as these teams rack up their wins and uh, definitely looks like a playoff preview playoffs uh, to see Dallas going into San Francisco. That'll be a fun one to watch. And then, of course, uh, we already talked the last game of the week will be our Green Bay Packers going to see the Las Vegas Raiders. So hope you enjoyed that uh, rundown of the Hump Day Helmet uh, segment of what's going on around the league here for week five. That's pretty much going to do it for me. Again, my name is Patrick here on this Hump Day. Thanks so much for listening. I uh, really enjoy doing the podcast, and uh, it's it's all for you, the listeners. Uh, so thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, follow, all the things. And uh, we'll be stepping away. I think what I'll do is I'll be coming back on Tuesday because you'll have that um, you'll be having that Packer game on Monday night and uh, against the Raiders. So so we'll come back on Tuesday after seeing everything that goes down this weekend with college football, NFL on Sunday, and of course Packers on uh, Monday night. We got to hope for those Brewers to pull it out tonight and then maybe win another one tomorrow night and we can keep checking in on the Brewers. Uh, So that's where we're going to leave off. I got to log off and start watching those Brewers. Go Brewers!